0: Imagine having access to a tribe of mentors consisting of some of the best tech leaders in the world, people you may have never heard of, but who in just an hour, you'll know their unfiltered career story, the bets they took, the decisions they made, where they failed, and the lessons that they learned along the way. Welcome to the What Makes You Tick podcast. Hello, I'm Tolu, aka The Podfather, and I'm the host of the What Makes You Tick podcast.
1: And I am Richard. I am the owner of Tick Talent, and we sponsor the pod. Richard Washington, a.k.a. Tick, Tick, Boo. (laughs)
2: This
1: is definitely not my nickname. Podfather, please. My name is very beige. It's Richard, and I like it. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can keep it. You can keep it. So (laughs) this week's episode is Chris O'Connor. And one of the things that I found really interesting about Chris when I was connecting with him was that he was in the Peace Corps. And when I lived in America, my housemate or my roommate in America was in the Peace Corps and it changed his life. So I was really Mm. intrigued to see what happened to Chris. What did you think of the episode?
1: Yeah, exactly that. The first thing that comes across when you listen to this is that he's got worldly experiences, taking himself massively outside of his comfort zone and absolutely loves to work with people, support them and develop them. And is the fact that he's... Got real lived experience of going to work with people where he had to learn a different language to communicate with them and then coach them mm. on businesses, which is just incredible. He's a highly ambitious person. In fact, he works at a business called Ambition. <laughs> <laughs> and he's progressed through that business. And he's on this really, really great career path to become mm. a CRO. And I absolutely mm. believe that he will get there. So we'll put a link to his profile in the comments so people can listen, because I think he's a great person to to have in your network and follow the story of. But... Mm. A great example of a young American who's pushed himself way outside the normal way of doing things, and he's got a very clear mission. His purpose, the things that make him tick, I think there's a lot of lessons for everyone to take forward into their careers. So without further ado, let's roll the pod.
0: Welcome to the podcast. Great to connect again. Yes. So we have quite a lot of like really cool random things in common. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Had a really good initial chat with you, I think last week. So looking forward to delving a little bit deeper into your career journey and what makes you tick. So would you mind starting by introducing yourself to everyone that's listening?
2: Absolutely, uh, Chris O'Connor. I am based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I work for a company called Ambition. So we're a sales coaching platform.
0: So. I would love to hear a little bit more because I was looking through the Ambition website. So what, in two minutes, what is their ambition, pun intended, and what is it that you guys exactly do for salespeople?
2: Yeah, the original idea that got us started as a business was in, in the States here, fantasy football is such a big thing around American mm. football, right? And the competitiveness and gamification of that is is a lot of fun. And so our founders thought, wouldn't it be cool if you had something like that? for the sales environment. It's very KPI driven. It's very goal driven. Let's gamify that, make it fun and recognize employees for wins and things like that. So that was the original idea over the years. It's, it's morphed into what we call ourselves now a sales coaching platform because gamification is a, an important component of Mm. sales performance management, but coaching is also a big part of that as well. And so, the mission really is to unlock the potential within each employee. We know that there's this kinetic energy, this motivation that sometimes you have to pull out. Mm. And, and so we allow sales leaders to do that within the platform, making it really structured to coach, motivate, and recognize employees along the way.
0: I think that's a really cool evolution because it takes not just the outcome, but then it also owns the process of getting people to the outcome. So make sure you're getting there in a good way. So when I was looking through the website, I thought that was really, there's a really cool thing to be doing. So how long have you been there for?
2: So I've been here for coming up on four years. So okay. prior to coming to Ambition, I was actually a customer myself. Okay. So I was leading a sales team and I was looking for tools that would really help maximize my efforts and Mm. came across ambition. So we purchased the tool, was using it for about a year. And then was like, I really love this concept and Mm. got to know the people. I really love the people as well. This may be a company I should go work for. Long story short that we made that happen. And that was four years ago.
0: Okay. That's amazing. And would you mind talking through your career journey from when you started to college, leaving college, if you went to college and then what you did to progress you to where you are now?
2: For sure. So I went to a small college in Virginia, here in the States, and it's called Emory and Henry College. And okay. the primary reason I went to this university is I got a college scholarship for soccer. And that kind of attracted me to the university, but also loved the small school liberal arts environment. felt like okay. I got a really good education. My, my focus area was international business. And so I was really lucky, got a chance to study abroad a bit, went to China for a summer, and, and that was fun. So I felt like I got a really good education. And then graduation for me was 2009. And if you remember, okay. that's when the global recession was happening. And yeah. there weren't a lot of jobs for recent grads. Most of my schoolmates were all going back to grad school as opposed to entering the job market. And I was lucky to find a job for a company called Sealed Air. It's a large plastics manufacturing company and a global company. And I will say I, I had a great experience there, but I will say it, it was a very unique experience in that my role, I was working in a global customer service center. So there were about 350 customer service reps in mm. this office. And it was my job. My sole job was to convince our customers to purchase online instead of purchasing through these customer service reps. And so you can see where this is going. Yeah, yeah got, after a few months, people in the office caught wind of... They didn't know what my They didn't know. And I was not well-liked within that <laughs> office. And that certainly led to... It being a suboptimal experience in my first job. Very lucky to have a job at that point. But it certainly led me to consider other options, which is when I made the big decision to transition after two years at Sealed Air to the Peace Corps.
0: Okay. Very Would you mind explaining a bit about what the Peace Corps is? Because we'll have some UK people and some US people and it's not that it's not that known here. So would you mind explaining a bit more about that?
2: Sure. So, the Peace Corps, the philosophy is we send Americans to other countries that we have deep relationships or partnerships with in very different focus areas to provide two years of service in that specific area. So, like education, health, my area was small business development. And so, the idea is that you embed in those communities. So, unlike a lot of other charity or philanthropy arms where you go and spend a couple weeks, give them a lot of money and then come back. (laughs) You live and integrate, you learn the language, you do everything that the locals might. And then if you have the opportunity to share any of your expertise or knowledge, you then do that secondary after integrating first. So it's a really, I think it's from a international development standpoint i think it's a really great concept i had an awesome experience so i can't say enough about uh, the peace corps
0: and where was it that you were stationed
2: i was in a small country in west africa it was called burkina faso okay so it's landlocked right in between ghana and mali wow
0: and so you said you learned the language so what language is it that they speak there
2: so there were a couple of different local languages. So Moray was the name of the main local language that was local to Burkina Faso, but the educated class there within Burkina Faso spoke French. So okay. uh, I also learned French, but then in my small village that I was living in, there weren't that many people that spoke French either. So, <laughs> so it was, uh, wow. yeah. It was a fun experience, but you learn quickly that even with people that you don't speak the same language with, the human connection is pretty strong and you can figure out intentions and what people are trying to say, even without the language.
0: Okay. That's awesome. And what were some of the, so you said you were there for small business development. So what were some of the things that you got involved with within that?
2: So within the community that I was placed, I had a My primary mode of transportation was a bike and I was given about 35 small businesses that I would work with. So the government would give micro loans to those entrepreneurs. And then essentially I would go and visit those entrepreneurs, making sure that they had a business plan in place, basic financial books, accounting, marketing, things like that. And I would say though, for the first year or six months, at least that I was there, It was all about building a relationship and building a foundation of trust because it would be very strange for me to just show up on my bike and say, (laughs) hey, I'm here to teach you how to run your business when they don't even know who I am. And so that was really the first six months was visiting them almost on a daily basis and just forming those relationships so that they felt comfortable asking me questions or actually taking some business advice from me
0: that's a very different dynamic from where you're almost working against the community in your old company and it's kind of like secretive like no one really knows to then now you're like fully in the community so how was that switch for you how did you find integrating because it's quite a big culture change as well so how did you find that transition
2: yeah huge culture change for sure and making that decision was really hard i think a lot of things in our society are telling you, like you need to do the go the conventional path. Yeah. You have a good job, yeah. parlay this into success or career. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I remember seeing a advertisement that the Peace Corps has, and it really spoke to me at that time. And the saying was, "The corner office can wait, but some corners of the world cannot." Wow. And. So that's staying really stuck with me as I'm that's thinking strong. about yeah. my career trajectory and I think there's plenty of time for me to be focused on that corner office and like everything mm. that comes with that. And so at the time that that was a real inflection point for me and the transition was definitely hard. I was outside of my comfort zone. When people ask me to summarize the experience, which is almost impossible, but <laughs> I'd say it's like the best time of my life and the worst yeah. time of my life rolled into <laughs> one, one at the same time. Yeah. But as I look back, I think I gain, I gain so much perspective. And that was one, one real tangible takeaway for me.
0: That's amazing. And something I wanted to ask you about actually was something you mentioned briefly about when you were in high school. No, sorry. When you were, I think you were in college, you did a, some time in China. So what made you decide to do that? What was that like? What were you doing there as well?
2: Yeah, since my undergrad was international business, we think about the global economy and like goods and services being shipped and commerce mm-hmm. and like a, a lot of that is coming out of China and huge ports there. And so it was a exchange program where I got to take classes from a university in China and write a paper just around like the global economy and how the ports in China are a big part of that. And yeah, I think that's one thing about, I I grew up in a pretty small town and the college that I went to was pretty small. And I think I always yearned for what else is out there. Um, What can I go see? What can I go experience that's wildly different than what my experience has been in this 20 year period. And I always had it in me to seek out other cultures How other people live and do business, and was fortunate enough to be able to pursue some of that.
0: Where do you think that comes from?
2: It's a good question. I don't, I don't know that I can pinpoint all of the origins there. I just know that my parents were always very open-minded and always Mm. wanted us to see things from other people's perspectives. Just trust from, hey, this is all you've seen, this is Mm. all you know, and so. Their perspective on that was helpful and helped me always think, why am I, why am I forming this perspective? Have I thought Mm -hmm. about how this impacts someone else? And so I would say that's probably the big influence was my parents.
0: Because so I think that's such a gift to be able to be curious about other people. And when we talk about sales and things like that, that's a massive part of people who are good at sales and people who people like to buy from is that curiosity, seeing other yeah. perspectives, being able to mix that in together. You were mentioning about, so you had your time at the air seal, sealed, air, sealed air company. Then you that's went right. to the Peace Corps. And so then what happened after that?
2: So coming out of the Peace Corps, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and we're looking for jobs. And primarily coming out of the Peace Corps experience, like I was looking for jobs with nonprofit organizations, somewhere where I could be working towards some kind of goal, something I was passionate about and not just back in the rat race of business world. And and so I, I started working for Points of Light Foundation here in, in Georgia, and what was interesting about my role for them is they had and this is how I get into this is my story mm. for how I get into tech is mm. it was a nonprofit organization, but they had purchased a software that helps other nonprofits manage their volunteer base. Okay. And so my role was to come in and be the only salesperson to sell this volunteer management software.
0: Okay. okay. And so
2: I was the lead generator. I was the only salesperson, marketer, everything. So I got a, a chance to do full cycle sales for them and, and still be working in a mission driven organization. So it was a, it felt like a good fit.
0: And so was that more of a startup environment or was it quite an established software that they'd already bought? So how did it work in terms of, was it a big company, small company? Because it sounds like you were doing quite a lot of different roles, which is Typical of startups, right?
2: Yeah, it was a little bit all over the board. So, I, (laughs) it was a relatively new software housed within an older established nonprofit organization. And so, I think they were still trying to understand, like, what to do with this software. So, I'd like to think that I was beneficial in helping to test that out. And to answer your question around who I was selling to, we were selling this software from. Everyone, like a small food bank in Mm. in our local area to really national foundations. So for instance, one of my biggest sales that I made was to the foundation arm of State Farm Insurance. Massive global company, but they had this initiative where they want to engage and mobilize people into some Mm. volunteer efforts and needed to be able to help them find volunteer opportunities and then get them organized in those events. And so, yeah, it was, I would say my very first true sales experience. And it was because it was soup to nuts. It was, it was a great learning experience.
0: And so it sounds like even from straight from college sales was what you'd identified as what you wanted to do. What made you want to get into sales?
2: My dad was in sales and. I so I had a great example to look at, and mm. I've always loved just connecting with people. You, you talked earlier about the curiosity factor; mm. like I've been very curious, and I think uh, that helps you build relationships quickly. And people buy from people they like and trust, and so mm. it felt very natural to me. As I was growing up, like I, w- I quickly checked off a lot of the things and careers that I didn't want to do. I remember interning at a law office for a while and I was like because I thought I was going to be a lawyer for a while and then after two or three weeks of that I was like definitely don't want to do that.
0: (laughs) That's so funny Uh, because I wanted to be a lawyer because my mom is a lawyer so I always saw on TV where they're like in the suits and they go to the law, so they go to the courtroom and they have their arguments. But then at home, I'd watch my mum reading books and she's 40, 45 years old. And I said, that can never be me that I still have to read these massive books at 40, 45 years old. So that, that quickly cut off the law dream for me as well. So it's interesting you've got that as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, yeah. So I, I checked off a lot of those things that I didn't want to do. Uh, mm. And so sales just came to the forefront.
0: Okay. Okay. That's cool. And so how long were you at that company for? And then what made you decide to move on from that?
2: So I was there for a couple years and they decided that they were going to sell this software. And so I was forced to figure out what my next steps are, which ended up being a great thing. I needed a change at that point. I probably would have stayed longer if they hadn't made that decision. It was good. My next, my next step was actually... What a lot may be considered as a step back, I went and worked for a company called supply.com and they, the position they offered me was a sales development rep position, which going from a full cycle sales rep to now just, you're the lead generator, the cold caller who's going to start up these opportunities. But the interesting aspect that they offered me in this role was I was the very first person in this position and Hey, we want you to do the role, but we also want you to build out the playbook for what a department could look like. And then once we feel comfortable with the economics, we'll let you hire a team. And so for me, that thought was, I want to get into people management. What better way than to build the playbook myself and then hire the team? And so it felt at the beginning, like a little bit of a step back, but for a good opportunity, maybe a longer trajectory that gets me to where I want to be. And that is the opportunity that that really got me into people management, which is where I've been ever since. And uh, it's, it's where I love now, like training and coaching and helping people find success
0: on teams. And so how old were you at that time when you started to set your sights on being a people leader?
2: I was probably twenty seven at that point. Yeah.
0: And you mentioned that you needed you probably needed a bit of a change. What were some of the things that in hindsight you can see that kind of signified that actually a change would have been good at this point in your life?
2: I think at that point I had realized that because while I was in sales from the beginning, I, I had always thought this is just for now. I will I'll find something else to do. But It's, I guess at that point where I was like, no, this makes sense for my career. There is more growth and more development and and quite a bit of upside here for me. And similar to, to the purpose and the mission that I felt working for a nonprofit and working in the Peace Corps, I was getting leading people, providing an opportunity for folks. And so those are some certainly things that I realized around that time in my life.
0: That makes sense. And so you mentioned, so you started that company supply.com. And so how long were you there for? What were you able to build in terms of the team that you were were able to build at that time?
2: Yeah, we, I was there for probably three years. I think if my memory serves me well, It, it, the first six months was purely me being the only sales development rep in that role at about the six, seven month mark. The company felt good enough for me to start hiring and we grew the team and after a year and a half, two years there, I moved into a different department of the company where I was able to lead another sales team as well. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a very transactional sell. so a very high paced sales environment. Certainly a fun, fun working environment to be in.
0: That's cool. And What were some of the things that you were looking for in people that you were building your team with? Because it's very different building a team from scratch, even from when you've inherited some people and then you have to build out around that. So what were some of the things that you were looking for when you were trying to hire to build your team?
2: There's a lot there, but I think folks who are problem solvers was first and foremost very important because we were still a bit in startup mode and there wasn't an answer to all of the questions that people might have and so bringing on a team of folks who were okay with a little bit of uncertainty and wanted to dig in and figure out the right things and i would say the first two or three hires i didn't have the full playbook built the first two or three hires were the playbook they helped me figure out what's working what's not working we we tested we ab tested a lot of things in that first year and i think Someone that's a problem solver certainly was number one on my Mm. list of folks when I was looking for.
0: And how did you, how were you able to identify those people? So when you are having the conversations, what are some of the things that you're looking for to be able to say, okay, this person I think will be a good problem solver? Because I think sometimes it's easy for people to pay lip service to say, I love to solve problems. How can you dig a little bit deeper and say, okay, this person will actually be good?
2: I think it's a combination of digging into some of the experience they've had professionally. So like really uncovering what kind of environments did you work in? What kind of ownership or responsibility did you have in those? And give me like specific scenarios of like when you faced hard times. But I think also there was a lot that could be pulled from their personal lives as well. So certainly I'm looking at what have they done in professional setting but like personally as well Mm. what challenges have you overcome what scenarios Mm. have you encountered where you have to really get creative think on your feet and overcome some obstacles so that's a line of questioning that i would go down with a lot of these interviews
0: cool that makes sense and what was the size of the team that you built when you were in that role
2: so the initial sales development group was six. And then when I moved on to another team, I think we had 10 to 15 on that group. Okay. And so, yeah, so it was, it was not a huge team, but it's starting enough. from 10 to 15 yeah, start, <laughs> Starting from just <laughs> myself <a> big... <laughs> to that, yeah. it was, it it's felt a like a lot of growth. Change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a big change. It's a big change. And then what happened after that in terms of your career journey?
2: After that, I knew that I wanted to be in people leadership and I got the opportunity to join another startup called Clockwise MD that was in the healthcare tech space and lead a team of sales development reps. And I was at that company for probably four years. We went through two different acquisitions and a merger. It was a very (laughs) eventful four years and I learned a ton through that. But I think one constant that was really important was... I had the same boss through that Mm. full time period, and she was really impactful. And while many teams and companies would have had a lot of turnover and a lot of instability during all those acquisitions and mergers, her teams remained very constant because of her leadership. Mm. I think that's one big takeaway from that time of, you could call, uncertainty.
0: What were some of the things that you learned from her during that time? Because it sounds like she's very good at managing and enabling people even through a lot of change and a lot of transition.
2: I would say she's the first person I've ever met that was more often than not the quietest person in the room, but the wisest person in the room as well. You don't see that too often, people who love to have their opinions heard. And she was really great at listening and only speaking when she knew it was, is critically important. And it was a great learning lesson for me. And I think another thing that she told me that I'll always carry with me is she said, Chris, if you can't ask your employees or you can ask your employees Do you think, especially like in a sales environment, do you think I care more about you personally or about Mm. the numbers that you're contributing to this business? And if they can't answer that very quickly, that they know you care about them as a person more than those numbers, then you're doing Mm. something wrong. That should be a very easy question for them to answer. And so I think that helped really form my opinion on people leadership. It's about the person first they have to know you truly care about them as an individual before any of their contributions or performance, things like that, because otherwise you're not going to get the full person and they're not going to really enjoy working for you. I think that was a great lesson and learning and and something that I'll always take with me.
0: What are some of the things that you found effective in communicating that and making sure that people really understand that? And how do you match your actions with your words? What are some of the things that make that clear to the people that you lead?
2: It's a good question. I think in sales, you've always got a number to hit. You've always got a deadline and a day. And so it can be a stressful position. And so I think when times are really stressful, that's when the true leader qualities come out. So if I'm getting pressed from above, am I going to let that run down to my employees or am I going to be that person that says... No, like this is a goal we can hit. Here's what we're going to do to go hit it. We're not going to be frantic about it. And so I think that's, there's a lot of opportunities to show those leadership skills in a sales type position. And then on a really tangible level, every time you sit down and have a one-on-one with your employees, like number one, don't ever cancel those meetings. That's Mm -hmm. one of the most important meetings of the week. And I think for some leaders, There's this tendency to say, oh, something more important came up. I can always move my one-on-one with you, but that's just the wrong signal to that employee. Mm. This meeting is not that important. I can move it. And so that's one thing. The the second thing is how you show that you care about the individual is in that meeting, before you talk about numbers, before you talk about pipeline or goals, ask them how they're doing. Mm. And a lot of times I'll, I'll say that to, my direct reports, how are you doing? And they'll give me a short answer. And I'll just dig deeper. I Mm -hmm. really want to know how you're doing and Mm -hmm. what your motivation level is coming into this day. Because you may have things going on outside of work. And Mm -hmm. not everybody wants to share those things. But the more that I can better understand you as an individual, I can understand how that's going to impact your performance in this role. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's It's always important to like start off those one-on-one conversations with a bit of a heat check. How are you doing? Mm. How are you feeling? Like, Mm. Mm. how was the weekend? That's really important before we jump right into, it looks like you're behind on your quota this month. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, so I think that those are some things I've found to be important.
0: And I think it's that order of having it means that you might actually get understanding into for example why someone is behind on quota right and then you can have a very different conversation as well because oh actually the newborn baby is keeping him up all night so how do i adjust and what space can i give him to still be his best at work because people want to perform at work right people love doing doing well at work so how can we create that environment by understanding what else is going on and then readjusting things to give them that space so i really like what you said about that what happened so was that your last role before this one or was there something else in between
2: it was that was the company i was at where we purchased the software that i now sell and yeah that was the role right before where i'm at now
0: Okay, cool. And what is it that you have to do in your role now in terms of, do you have a team or are you growing a team at the moment? What does that look like?
2: Yeah, we. when I first started at the company three and a half, four years ago, I was very similar to some past roles and that started off with a small team but was tasked with a, a, quite a bit of mm-hmm. growth. And so when I started on, probably had four or five reps on the team. And then at its height, we grew to 24. And so it was the wow. first role that I'd been in where I had actual people leaders under me huh, and reporting I see, I see. up to me. So that was yeah. a first in, in my career and an experience I really enjoyed. And so... I did that for a majority of my time here at Ambition, but uh, I would say about six months ago, I transitioned into a, a new role. So after leading a really large team, I got to thinking and I got some advice from mentors and always came up, what's that? What's the next thing for you? Because basically, I, I felt like in my role, everything was like, on wheels on pace it was repeatable it was i wasn't expending as much effort anymore because things were running like a well-oiled machine and so i kept getting the question like what's next for you how else can you contribute to this company and so long term for me i would love to be the chief revenue officer of a business that's a north star position for me and a lot of the mentors that i talked to said in order to be really effective in that role, you need to see all aspects of the revenue organization. And so I Mm -hmm. moved from a sales leadership position to a leadership position on the customer side of the house. And I'm now the director of account management. So I have a much smaller team. I have four reps on my team and they are tasked with our current book of business and making sure that we are servicing them well and renewing them growing that business which right now with the economy being a little bit of a dip that's a really important place to be and so i think that's that's been a change here recently for me and i've really enjoyed seeing a different side of the business
0: yeah that's so good i think the breadth that you need for those kind of more senior positions so when i studied abroad in america that was something that stuck with me the most i did a leadership and management like module and they said that the best leaders at the end are people who have gone not just up but like side to side diagonally up as well because then you understand from so many different perspectives one of the things i wanted to ask you about was you mentioned that you had some mentors i wanted to know a bit more about your journey with mentorship and who's helped you along the way and at what point was there a point where you started thinking actually if i want to grow i need more mentorship or was it something that's always been there for you
2: I certainly discovered that much later than i would like <laughs> i okay. i would inform as many people as will listen like early on in your career ask mm. someone to be your mentor ask multiple people okay. to be your mentors i think that's so much value in having that level of perspective someone to be a sounding board that really cares about your career and where it's going mm. and can also challenge you i, I think At certain points in my career, I wish someone would have said, why are you making that choice? Right? Let's think hard about Mm -hmm. that decision. And I would say it wasn't until in my last two jobs have I really sought out advice and actually Mm -hmm. asked folks to be a mentor for me. Yeah, can't say enough about how important that is, but I'm not the Mm -hmm. best example of, of someone who's done well with that over the years.
0: Do you think that the leader you had in your previous company was a bit of a catalyst for you to start to think about that kind of thing?
2: I think so. I think so. I think that experience certainly opened my eyes to, oh, Mm. this is someone that does care (laughs) about me and my professional career, regardless of whether I'm at this company or not. Mm. And I still, I see, I still talk to her this day. And, Mm. and so seeing that has also forced me to think about who should I be mentoring as well? Who is it that I can bring that same relationship to and like really have them know that I care about them and their career and not so much just about the position that they're currently in.
0: Because I found it interesting that you hadn't really mentioned too much about a leader in your previous roles. And that might be because you were, you're starting things from scratch there. So the leadership lines can be a bit blurry with that because there's no function. So that was really interesting for me. That was the first real like leadership person that you really mentioned and the impact that had.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I like to say in my leadership journey, I have benefited just as much from having bad leaders as having good leaders (laughs) because because I've seen the other side of the coin. I've seen the leader that Mm. doesn't care about you as an individual and doesn't mostly just cares about your contributions from a sales perspective. And so I think as I look back, yes, you're right. It took me a while in my career to find a true leader to to really follow. But as I look back, there's a lot of other leaders that I learned from, but maybe because they, they weren't the best leader for me. Yeah.
0: And I think that part of it is because sometimes because you're good at selling and you're good at hitting target, you get more responsibility. You get people under you. And people don't really get that training of this is how you be a good leader as well as a good salesperson.
2: It's so true. It's so true. We're quick to promote people into leadership positions, but to give them no tools to be successful in those positions. And speaking in the ambition context, like the software that we sell is primarily focused for the frontline leader. So mm. yes, we can... There's a lot of value for the frontline rep. There's a lot of value for high level leadership position, but we think of the frontline leader as a force multiplier. So if they are doing like what's right and are Mm. really effective in their roles, like Mm. that can be massively impactful impactful across the business. Otherwise, all of those frontline reps don't have a good example. don't have a great mentor, aren't coached well. And so I think that's the quickest way to have big impact within an organization is make sure your frontline leaders are enabled, supported, trained on how to coach, how to lead effectively, those type of things.
0: Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much. And just as we close. What advice would you give to someone who is looking to get into either tech sales or tech sales leadership?
2: I would say take a look at what you'd be selling. Take a look at who you'd be working with. We just talked about how important leaders and mentors are. Find a leader that you want to go work for and find a, a you're not going to love every product that's being sold, but find something that you can certainly get behind and resonate with. And, uh, and depending on whether the organization is large or small, it's going to be a very different experience, but find ways to expose yourself to a lot of things. Take on work that maybe you are not tasked with so that you can learn more, that you can get more exposure within the organization. Those are some things I would think about if I'm starting a new career in tech sales.
0: That's perfect. Thank you so much for your time today, Chris. It was really fascinating hearing about your journey and the different things that you've gone through and just how you've come through that and you're continuing to grow and continuing to want to do more. And I loved on your LinkedIn profile, it said about being a people first leader. And I feel like for me, that's once you've got that in place, everything else falls into place after. So thank you so much for your time and sharing your thoughts.
2: Of course, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to the episode. We really appreciate the time that you've taken to spend some time with us to hear about the journeys of sales leaders and learn how you can become a better leader at what you do.
1: Absolutely. There's a huge amount of value in listening to someone else's story. And what we're really aiming to do with every one of these episodes is introduce you to someone that you might never have met but that's got some great lessons as part of their own journey that you can take inspiration from. And whether that's things that you've liked that you want to try and replicate, big decisions that they've taken that give you a bit of courage to go and take that leap yourself, or maybe some things that they've learned the hard way that you can avoid to basically find your own path a bit faster with some of the less messy stuff in between. So we really appreciate your time. We do this every week with a different leader within technology. So please go back and have a look through some of the other conversations that we've had to find other people that might inspire you that you can bring into your own network as virtual mentors and also every week we release this so if you want to be the first person to listen and meet your new mentor hit the subscribe button and then you'll get a notification every time that podcast gets released so thank you so much for your time we'll see you on the next pod